the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. When we start blaming other people for our own actions, that's part of our our sin nature that we inherited from Adam. And what he says here, though, instead of blaming others for our behavior or trying to justify our actions or make excuses or explain it away, he says we're to confess it. We're to confess it. We're to agree with God about our behavior. We're We're just to call our sin, sin. Are you walking in darkness? The world today has a tendency to tolerate sin and darkness. In fact, living a sinful lifestyle is encouraged by most of society nowadays. The Bible teaches differently, and thankfully there's another way. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you of all sin. Not just one or two sins, but everything. As Pastor Dan teaches in today's message, in order to become a new creation in Him, all you need to do is confess your sin to Him and acknowledge your desperate need for a Savior. And now, open your Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 1 as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Paul's ministry, very early on, he wrote the letter of 1 Corinthians, early in his ministry. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul describes himself as the least of the apostles. 1 Timothy, Paul writes about 30 years later, towards the end of his life. And in 1 Timothy, Paul describes himself as the chief of sinners. That's growth. He's growing in the Lord where he no longer views himself as the least of the apostles. Now he sees himself as the chief of sinners. And that's that's what happens in a believer's life as they walk with the Lord and the Lord deals with them. Now look at at verse 9. If you notice here as we're going through this passage, it's, it's like one verse is kind of this downer verse talking about our sin, you know, uh, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, and but we walk in darkness, we lie. And it's kind of this downer verse. And then the next verse, it, it like lifts us up here. But if we walk in the light as He's in the light, we have fellowship with Him. Blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. You know, it's like this down and then up and then down. Well, now we're going back up in verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have have you noticed as we're talking here about fellowship with God, a lot of it has to do with our attitude about our sin and what we say about our own sin. 
And what he says here in verse 9, he says, don't make excuses for your sin. Don't try to defend your behavior. Instead, confess your sins to God. That's what you do with your sin. You confess it to God. Now, the word confess, it means to agree with, to agree with. When we confess our sins to God, we're agreeing with God that what we did was sin and wrong. That's all that confession is. We, 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 we don't make excuses for it. We don't try to justify our actions. We don't blame others for what we've done. You know how we do that, right? Where, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have yelled, but you were really pushing my buttons, and I couldn't help it. And then we blame others. You guys do that too, right? I do that. Who did that first? Adam did that first, right? We inherited that from Grandpa Adam. When he was in the garden, and God confronted him about his sins, did you eat of the tree? What did he say? It was the woman that you gave me, Lord. It was your fault for giving me, giving her to me, and it was her fault because she caused me to say. He blamed everybody he could blame that was in the garden. And then God speaks to the woman, Eve, and what does Eve say? The serpent tempted me. That's the only other person left to blame, right? See, that's part of our sin nature. When we start blaming other people for our own actions, that's part of our, our sin nature that we inherited from Adam. And what he says here, though, instead of blaming others for our behavior or trying to justify our actions or make excuses or explain it away, he says we're to confess it. We're to confess it. We're to agree with God about our behavior. We're just, we're just to call our sin, sin. Acknowledge it to God. Own it. Lord, that was wrong. That was wrong of me to do. I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. That's it. And I'm not qualifying it. I'm not tacking anything on the end of that to say, but it, you know, that person didn't do this and I wouldn't have done that. And No, just Lord, it was wrong of me. I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. Call it what it is and own it. That's what confession is. And look what he says here. When you do that with your sin, when you just own it and confess it, he says that God is faithful. God is just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. There's that word all again. If you confess your sins, if you just acknowledge it and own it, if you do that, God will be faithful to his promises to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all of your unrighteousness. Isn't that a great promise? Amen. Isn't that great? Just how God doesn't, doesn't like make us squirm. He doesn't just, you know, stare at us until we cry or look upon us with this look of disappointment. He doesn't say, I don't, I don't know if I can forgive you. This is the seventh time this week that you've done that. I don't know. Let me think about it. It might take me some time to get over it. That's what we do. Aren't you glad God's not like you or me? Huh. Just if we confess it, He forgives us and cleanses us. It's, it's automatic with God. It's automatic. Listen to this verse out of Proverbs. Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, 
we walk in darkness. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. See, here's the deal. God wants to have fellowship with us. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die on the cross for our sins because it was our sin that separated us from God. And God desires fellowship so deeply with you and with me that he is the one who initiated this and came and he died on the cross for us so that we could have fellowship with him. And God wants that fellowship to continue. He wants to continue in fellowship with us. And so God says now, he says, hey, when you sin, just confess it, just own up to it, and I'll forgive you and cleanse you, and we can continue in fellowship together. Just like that. Just like that. There's no, no squirming that we have to do. It's an automatic thing. In fact, in the Old Testament, David experienced the forgiveness and cleansing of God when he confessed his sins. And I want to look at that together. So turn with me to 2 Samuel. Keep your finger in 1 John. 2 Samuel chapter 12. And if you remember the story of David, David committed adultery with a married woman, a Bathsheba. And David got her pregnant. And then David arranged for the for the death of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, so that David could then marry Bathsheba. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, that's some crazy sin happening in David's heart and in his life. And so he set it up where Uriah, who was a loyal friend to David and a loyal soldier in David's army, David set the whole thing up where Uriah would be killed in battle. And then David married the widow, Bathsheba. Then she gives birth to this son that everybody thinks is Uriah's son. And David now takes this widow to be his wife and is going to raise this child. And not only did David do this sin, adultery and murder and all that, but he set it up in such a way that he looks like this wonderful man who marries the widow of a fallen soldier and raises her son as his own. What a great, great king he is, right? But you know what it says? It says and it looks like he totally gets away with it, right? Everybody's so pleased that David is such a compassionate king. It says at the end of chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. He didn't get away with it, with God. So then going into chapter 12 now, this is when David is confronted by the prophet Nathan about his sin. And David confesses his sin. Look at uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David to confront David about his sin. And Nathan came to David and said to him, and what, what Nathan does now is he tells this parable, this, uh, this fictional story, uh, and he's going to use that story to confront David about his sin. And why does he do that? Why doesn't he just come in and say, hey, the Lord told me that you got Bathsheba pregnant, that you committed adultery. And you... Why doesn't he just straight forward? Because David's the king. 
And you don't just go into the king's palace and accuse the king of adultery and murder. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. And so he's got to do it kind of tactfully here. And so he uses a story. So Nathan goes into David and says, Hey, there were two men in one city. One was rich and the other was poor. And the rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds. But the poor man, he had nothing except one little lamb, which he bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. He loved this lamb. And it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So the rich man steals the lamb from the poor man, the one lamb that he owned. He takes it for himself. Verse 5, so David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. Isn't it interesting how we get angry and indignant when we see sin in someone else's life? We have this righteous indignation. But when it's a, when it's a sin in our own life, we want mercy, right? We want grace and we want forgiveness, And he says in verse 5, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die, and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing and because he has no pity. Verse 7, Then Nathan said to David, You're the man. (laughs) You're the man in the story, David. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Now he's going to totally rebuke him. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this, of this son. For you did it secretly." But I will do this thing before all Israel, before the Son. Now look at verse 13. This is what I want you to see. 
So David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. That's confession. He doesn't try to explain his actions. He doesn't make an excuse for his actions. He doesn't say, well, uh, Abigail, my wife and I, we haven't been getting along lately and I've just been lonely and I saw Bathsheba and there's just the opportunity presented. I don't know what I was thinking, but no, just, I've sinned against the Lord. I've sinned against the Lord. Now, now look, look at the next verse. I've sinned against the Lord, verse 13. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. I've sinned against the Lord and the Lord's put away your sin. It's automatic. It's automatic. When we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. And in and, and, and the Hebrew here, it's actually kind of a play on words. Uh, the way that it, it, it reads in the Hebrew, uh, as David says, I have sinned against the Lord. It's all, the wording is, is the exact opposite of David's words, like the reverse order of what David said. When, he, when Nathan says, and the Lord has put away your sins. Like David says it this way, and the Lord says it back to him. Remember in the Superman movie, when Superman started flying around the earth to make the earth's rotation spin the opposite way so he could turn back time? Remember that? Did you guys see that movie? Late 70s, early 80s, the earth's rotating, and he causes time to go back. It's kind of what happens here in the Hebrew. That's what he does. He just forgives our sins just erases it from the record. It's like he turns back time and it's never happened before. I've sinned against the Lord and the Lord also has put away your sin. He's faithful. He's just to forgive and to cleanse all our unrighteousness. And it's an automatic thing. It's automatic. Now, turn with me to Psalm 32. The Psalms are, it's, it's the hymnal of the Bible. The Psalms are songs that were meant to be sung as worship songs. And David, after experiencing the forgiveness of the Lord for this sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, the whole deal, David writes Psalm 32. He writes a song about the forgiveness he experienced. That's something. He sits down and he writes out a song about the forgiveness that God has given him. Look at what he says, Psalm 32. We're just going to read a few verses of it. Verse 1, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. You know, the word blessed there, it, it means happy. Happy is he whose transgression is forgiven. Happy is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Now look what he says in verse 3. He talks about the conviction and the guilt and the shame that he felt about his sin before he confessed it and was forgiven. Verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought 
of summer. That's what happens when we have unconfessed sin in our lives. It just sucks the life out of you. You, you feel this, this weight of conviction, this weight of shame, you know, this groaning all day long. Oh. And as you think about it, and it keeps coming back to mind and just, oh, and just the weight of it just rests upon you and your vitality just turns to drought. It, you, you just dry up from it. Verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you, and, and, I, and my iniquity I have not hidden. So you see, for David, there was a point where he's walking in darkness, where he's covering his sin, and he's hiding it, but he's got the weight of guilt and shame and conviction upon him. So there's a point where he's walking in darkness, and then he chooses to walk in the light. And how does he do that? He confesses his sin. I acknowledge my sin to you, my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And you forgave me. And now all of that burden and shame and guilt and condemnation, all of it is lifted off of David. And now he says in verse 6, For this cause... Everyone who is godly shall praise to you, pray to you, in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from the trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. You know, just this, this relationship with the Lord is restored instantly from forgiveness. Now, go back to First uh, John chapter 1 and we'll finish up here. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. If we say, verse 10, that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. If we say, I have not sinned, I haven't sinned. I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't done anything deserving of hell. It's not like I've murdered someone. I'm a pretty good person. John says if a person says something like that, well, then that person makes God a liar and doesn't know what the Word of God actually says. <laughs> because God says that we've sinned against it. God says all of us have gone astray, that, that we're all guilty. But God has also provided the remedy for our sin. And that's the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the sin for us. He died on the cross for us. He took our punishment so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have this relationship with God and have fellowship with Him. And what John is telling us here is that fellowship with God, it doesn't require a sinless, perfect life. But it does require honesty about who we are. It does require us to be honest about who we are and what we do. Honest about our condition. Requires us to walk in the light and not walk in darkness. Not hiding sin or hiding things from the Lord because you can't hide anything from Him. Just walking in the light and having an honest assessment of who we are. He asked me how I know and I say it 
That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan as he continued his verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of 1 John. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you never miss an edition of this program. Every time we post something new, you'll be notified. We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has impacted your life. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you, too. And if God's doing something wonderful, we'd love to rejoice with you. That number again to reach us is 410-491-4592. Do you live in the Baltimore, Washington area? If so, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. Find out more at our website. One more time, that's calvaryec.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Tune in next time to learn more from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dan, right here on Ring of Truth. It's true.